Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs Podcast. As usual, Mark here with Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, Mark. How are you, mate? I'm um, pretty good, actually. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit sad that we've still got to wait a couple of weeks before we get real football again now that we've had our uh, excitement last night. Yeah, um, got, got a little taste. Yeah, a bit of a, I guess, an anticlimactic ending in terms of not having Golden Point, but... I was saying on Twitter, I think I feel like that was probably a good, a fair result of how the teams actually went. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame. I think they, a lot of the players didn't know that there wasn't golden mm. points, so that's why they took the two. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, you got to go for broke with a minute or so to go there. But mind you, if they could barely score a try in 79 minutes, and there's no guarantee that I was going to do one in the next 60 seconds either. Yeah. So. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, so today what we're going to do is just go through and do a little bit of a, a recap of the trials and basically just picking out the fantasy relevant stuff that we noticed. So starting with the Dragons versus Eels game the other night, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, we might start with the Dragons. Cody Ramsey, what were your thoughts around him? Yeah, he, he looked really good. Like he was um, very elusive. Like I, I remember I, I messaged you at the time, and, and he seemed like almost a bit ponga-like in the way that, like, yeah, yeah, he was eluding players, and yeah, you know, he seems like a, a pretty good player from all accounts. Yeah, he did have a couple of uh, silly errors there, but overall, I think he looked pretty sharp. He's definitely, in my opinion, an upgrade from Dufty, but I think they'll probably start the season with Dufty at fullback, and then. Inevitably, when it starts going a little bit awry, they might give him a chance. While he's on the wing, I'm probably not interested in a mm. fantasy sense, though. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. And it gives him a chance to develop. Because, like, I did notice he made, like, one or two defensive errors as well. So, yeah. uh, like, while he's really good with ball and hand, he looks exciting. It's, it's probably a good place for a young player like that to develop, especially considering, he, you know, with no New South Wales Cup last year, he's, he's barely played in the last, you know, year and a half. Yeah, I'd almost prefer him to be playing fullback in New South Wales Cup than playing NRL for his development for yeah. the inevitable time. But, you know, he's, uh, uh, we get to watch him play on the bonus, but the downside, obviously, is him being at wing, probably not someone that we're going to look at. Mm. Likewise, with the next guy who's looking like he's going to be playing left centre, which is Jack Bird. Yeah. Um, he basically came out and said after the game that he doesn't really feel comfortable playing in the middle even though he's been training there and he wants to play left centre. Mm. And he was pretty not very involved in his uh, short time on the on the centre there. Yeah, I saw he only played about 25 minutes. And yeah, I was quite surprised because I read uh, you know, a couple of days before the game that Hook said he was going to be playing in the second row. And then, you know, he was named at centre and he played the first 25 minutes there and, you know, didn't come back in the second half. It was... Um, yeah, it was interesting because like we've been suspecting that he might be coming off the bench, playing that sort of fourteen role, playing a bit in the middle, you know, where he's needed. And to see him lining up at centre now, it's it's a little bit um, surprising to us. But yeah, like is he one you might consider if if he actually does start their week in round one? Mate, not for round one. I think he sort of came out and said that he's not the same person that he was before he got injured those couple of times, which does worry me. But last year, at the start of the year, he came out absolutely firing. I mean, I think the Charity Shield will be a little bit more of a a test. They're going to get a baptism of fire against a really, really sharp-looking Rabbitohs team next weekend. And um, if he comes out and does really well, then I'll probably have another look at him. But at the moment, I don't really see the justification for spending 70k more than Avarillo or 100k more than Tessie Neer or, or 30k more than James Roberts to get him. So... 
I uh, I definitely am not likely to get him so far. Um, but what he does do playing left centre is interrupts a guy that we were looking at, which is the 246k fee guy as opposed to the 248 uh, 228k fee guy. I think it's Max, is it the one that's played? I think so, because I think they're like Max and Matt, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> just to make it more confusing. Yeah, so um, that being said, I think one of them might potentially nab a wing spot. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, they had Pereira and Ravalawa there who both didn't necessarily set the world on fire. So they did look quite busy, uh, both of the guys. So it'll just be a matter of if one of them gets go. I'm not overly excited if they're playing wing as opposed to centre. I'd probably prefer to go with a guy like Simmonson at that point. We know exactly what he's going to do and we know he's playing in a good team for the Raiders and not playing for the Dragons. But the DPP might be helpful as well depending on your structure of your team. Mm. Yeah, so something to keep an eye on, TLT. Um, Obviously, McCulloch and Billy Britton both spent time at Hooker. You would agree with me that McCulloch looks significantly better. Yeah, well, McCulloch looked pretty good. Like, I saw him you know, take a kick out of dummy half. He cleaned up um, a grubber for a kick defusal as well. Yeah, he, mm. he looked like a bit of a... He even had a little bit of a dart out of dummy half there at one point. Yeah, I know. He's, he's feeling his oats after a good season with the Knights last year. Yep. Um, uh, and unlike that, Britain, obviously, his service was actually pretty bad and he didn't look very sharp at all. So I, um, I'm hoping that this means that he's not going to be contesting for a spot on the bench there even, and we can just get an 80-minute McCulloch. Um, Jaden Sullivan was an interesting one out of half. Obviously, he's yeah. probably going to end up getting a start in round one with Corey Norman suspended, but might be a little bit of a trap being that, obviously, Norman's only suspended for one game. Yeah, and uh, it's a shame. He, he played, uh, Sullivan played one game at the end of last year. It completely ruined his price. He's got a 54, and now he's priced in the 400s. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, so definitely, unless he's going to be looking at a long-term job there, you want to stay away from him. Speaking of guys that are looking at long-term jobs, though, Jackson Ford. Mm. He um, fantasy scored pretty well, getting about 39 points in 65 minutes, but... He doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence watching him. Uh, he's just made some really poor defensive reads. I think they put the first try in when he rushed out of the line and missed a tackle, and then he just flat out missed some guy and almost let in another try. What was your sort of takeaway from him? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, two weeks in a row now we've seen uh, Ford with the Sharks Dragons game the week prior. And yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. He doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. He seems like he. You know, while he does have that ability to, uh, you know, produce the occasional good score and, you know, some points in that regard. But, yeah, he, he defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, it smacks of Jacob Host vibes for me. Yeah, I I think I'll just be watching him every week, cringing, hoping he doesn't get taken off the field or something like that because they are going to carry more than likely a guy like Fui Marino who might even displace him, and I guess we'll discuss Fermano later. But he um, he actually looks pretty sharp. So, you know, there's no guarantees that Ford's going to hold that spot. And I personally, but he's he's filled me with more confidence in my decision that I don't have any confidence with him. So another guy here that we want to have a look at, and that's somebody who did look really, really good, and that was Daniel Alvaro. Obviously, we spoke about him in the previous episodes. 
coming out under 300k, but he looked really, really busy. He was tackling anything that came within 10 meters of him, and you know, made a lot of hit ups. And and given the dragons, they don't have a lot of quality in terms of their forward pack. I think he really needs to be commanding some minutes. Yeah, I'd agree. He looked like the Alvaro of old. Like we know that his PPM is through the roof when he, uh, you know, when he gets on the park. So if he can get some decent minutes this year, he looks like a great buy. Yeah, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him in the Charity Shield to see what their role is for him. Um, but if he's managing, like, I, I don't see any reason why he can't start at lock. And if he starts at lock, um, he'll be just an absolute weapon for fantasy and under 300k. So definitely keep an eye out there. Um, the last guy for the Dragons, Kate Ellis, he's just nowhere near the class of Alvaro, which means he's probably going to get more minutes than Alvaro, <laughs> um, not knowing Hook. But, um, no, I just I, I don't see him being able to push Alvaro out for the bench spot. Um, so that sums up the Dragons. But on the other side of the ball, the Eels basically had their reserve grade. They, didn't, they were missing all of their big-name players, but there was a couple of guys here who I think are going to play round one. Mm. Um, and that's Joey Lusick and then Isaiah Papali'i and Oregon Kafusi. So all three of those guys from the Eels looked absolutely fantastic. Um, I, as far as I'm concerned, Brad Arthur has rocks in his head if he doesn't have Lusick as their number 14 for round one. Yeah, I agree. And I don't. I really don't think Mahoney is suited to playing 80. So having oh, a guy, yeah. So having a guy like Lusick there that can spell him for 20 minutes rather than like sticking Gutherson at hooker like he's been mm. doing in the past. Like, surely it's going to be a better option. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the thing is, Lusick and Mahoney have pretty similar play styles, so you're not losing a lot, if anything. I kind of actually think that Lusick might be better. Mm. Um, but yeah, def- definitely for 30 minutes off the bench, he's going to terrorise some defenders in the middle of the field, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him, which is going to be really good for our boy Nathan Brown. Um, but these other two guys who are more than likely going to form the bench middle rotation, being Papali and Kafusi, um, Papali was just amazing. He, um, I, I think he played on an edge, but I anticipate that he's going to be playing middle for the Eels. And he was just in absolutely everything. Yeah, I mean, you know me, mate. I was on the uh, Papali'i bandwagon very early on. Unfortunately, that that wagon got uh, derailed pretty quickly because uh, he seemed like he was destined for good things. Like he, he played for New Zealand a couple of years ago and um, was playing some good footy for the Warriors. But I don't know. Yeah, he's moved on now, and it seems like he's going to be commanding a, a bench middle spot. Um, I always thought his his best position was on an edge, but. Um, you know the warriors. The warriors seem to you know wanted to play him in the middle and got him bulked up, and it seems like that might be where he's playing for the Eels this year. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean probably not fantasy relevant. Like he's he's way too expensive, but still, good. Like, it seems like a decent pickup for the Eels. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if something happened to Junior Paulo or Regan Campbell Gillard or Nathan Brown, I'll be straight on top of him. I think if if a, if any one of those three guys goes down for a, for a long term, I think Papa could be a. Uh, Keeper level scorer. Um, Kafusi is an interesting one at 299k. Um, I haven't sort of admittedly haven't really looked at his stats that much, but he seems to me to be quite cheap compared to um, what potential minutes he could be getting if he's there number five. Yeah, he could be an interesting option. Obviously, we know that uh, you know Nathan Brown's going to command quite a few minutes and you know they've got some other big minute forwards there at the Eels so it is really going to be dependent on how he slots into that rotation um, 
he does have a historically pretty good PPM. It's a little bit over 0.9. Uh, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like he's been up and down with his minutes. Like some games last year, he was getting like 18, 14, like eight minutes in one game. And then the week later, he gets 28 and 30. So I think it really depends on the circumstances and where he sits in that pecking order, if he's actually going to be a decent buy. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at his minutes here now and the four games where he played over 30 minutes in 2020, his PPM was just under one. Um, so 32 points in 31 minutes, 30 points in 33 minutes and 35 points in 30 minutes. None of those have tries. So if he can get that 35 minutes per game, possibly, um, he could definitely be a good buy, but I think he's probably going to rely on an injury as well just with the the big minute capabilities of those other guys there, but I definitely want to keep an eye on. So moving on to the Broncos game, um, we won't bother talking about the team that wasn't the Broncos for that one, but there's a couple of guys here. Um, Reese Walsh, he was just fantastic at fullback. Um, looks like an absolute stud. Um, kicks the ball, ball playing, set up the first try to Copley. I mean, did you? what did you think of Walsh? Yeah, he seems like an absolute stud. Like, uh, I think there was an article in the Career Mail, like the day of the trial, comparing him to the next Billy Slater, which is some mm. big raps. But you know, those those articles, you can only take them with a grain of salt. But that said, you know, I was looking into him. You know, he was, he was the fullback for Queensland in the under 16s and under 18 state of origin, and he went to Kiber Park High, which we know uh, is sort of like a football factory. It seems like every Great player from Queensland comes out of there recently, like Jai Arrow, Brimson, Fodawaka, Haas, David Fafita. They're all cool coming out of that joint. So, I mean, he's in pretty good company there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, seeing a goal-kicking fullback, like if Iseko is uh, is going a bit ordinary to start the year. Which maybe. is likely considering it's Jermaine Osako. Yeah, well, he's one to keep an eye on. Like, if yeah. Walsh could slot in. Oh, mate. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We might be spoiled for choice. We might have uh, Moses Mbai and Asako lose their jobs to Walsh and Dane Laurie in round five or six. That would just be the absolute dream, I think, for fantasy. So, um, yeah, definitely going to be looking at him, pencil him and put him in your black book. You know, probably not there for round one, but definitely to keep an eye on in the future. Um, Jesse Arthur is an interesting one. I saw something about Herbie Farnworth possibly being injured. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but... Um, Arthur is quite busy in defence uh, when he plays at centre. He's absolutely rubbish, but he plays at wing. But we won't sort of keep on him too long. But definitely, if he's named at centre and Herbie looks like he's going to be out for a while, that's one to have a look at because he's actually sub 300k as well. Mm. Um, but Tessie Neu, he missed a tackle for the first manly try. And uh, he did look quite good carrying the ball. Um, he made a tackle that forced a, a knock-on sort of 10 minutes later or something like that. But I don't know if I feel more or less confident with Neo now that I've watched him. Yeah, I don't know. Like Because he, he did have some real flashes of brilliance with, um, you know, some uh, some attacking prowess, but he was also making quite a few errors. Like, it was a very up-and-down sort of day for Tessie Neu. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I wonder, like, it sort of fits what we saw from him last year. Uh, maybe... That's just who he is as a player. Like, you're going to get some highs and you're going to get some lows out of him. Um, yeah. So, basically, like every other centre for fantasy. Yeah, but <laughs> basically. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That said, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in any centre that's uh, no. relatively cheap this year. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So, I think if come round one, he's named at centre, I'll probably have him. But I'm certainly not... Uh, I wouldn't... 
I wouldn't judge anybody if they decided not to get him. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think I probably will. But certainly not to, far from a sure thing, I would say. Um, one guy we won't sort of spend too long on, but I did notice him is is Keenan Palasia. Uh, so he played on the back row, and also Ethan Bullimore played at lock, and they both look really quite sharp. They're probably not part of the round one side, so not necessarily somebody that we need to remember straight away. But definitely, I'd be penciling them in um, in your black book as well. But two guys who we are expecting to be part of the round one team: uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. and Matt Lodge. Um, what were your thoughts around them? Um, yeah, they didn't play a whole lot of minutes, but you know they weren't overly impressive either. Like they didn't really, you know, insert themselves in the game. But that said, like this is the first game they've really played for quite a while. Like most of them, they, they missed a lot of game time last year. Um, you know, we spoke about these guys yesterday. I, I haven't really changed my opinion. Um, what about you? No, nah, yeah, no. Nah, I, if anything, I'm definitely more sure about the fact that I don't think Pangai is the goer. Um, mm -hmm. Lodge, I am more inclined to believe that he's going to be back to what he was before 2020 in terms of his PPM, but my opinion hasn't changed in terms of my outlook for how many minutes he's going to get. So, you know, definitely he's going to be needing 45-plus minutes to return that value to, to 38. I'm not, not seeing that, but... Um, he doesn't look at, like he did last year. So um, I'm I'm more confident in him than I was yesterday, but I'm still not interested. So moving along to the Tigers, uh, Jake Simkin, he was just absolutely on fire. In my opinion, he outplayed Jacob Little. Um, was that your impression? Yeah, he looks quite electric, didn't he? Um, yeah, he was getting out of dummy half and, and yeah he was all around the park he, he seemed quite impressive and you know came back into the second half uh, playing at lock while little was on the field yeah do you think maybe that could be a sign for round one mate absolutely i think uh they did spend as we sort of discussed previously they did spend a bit of time with harry grant and jacob little on the park at the same time and there's no reason why that can't happen with simpkin and little I'll be very interested to watch that trial next week and see how they line up on TLT. Uh, at the moment, I actually have both of them in my team. Um, we're thinking, considering that we lost Sean Bloor, we found out that he's uh, got a broken wrist and he's not going to be playing round one. I've got a vacancy in my emergencies, and I really feel like Simpkin, if he's on the bench for round one, he might play 30 or 40 minutes, but he looks quite busy and... You know, he might make sort of 25 points and just sit there chugging away, slow burning in the emergencies. And then if something does happen a little, which it has happened in the past, and also if he just manages to win the job by himself as well, um, he could absolutely make uh, make an absolute fist of that hooker role there for the Tigers. And if I had to get rid of one of them at the moment, I think I'd be getting rid of little, but I'm probably going to start with both. Yeah, no, a, I certainly couldn't blame you there. I wanted to ask, though, like, do you... Do you feel any concern for, you know, your boy Alex Twal that um, potentially Simpkins, or Simpkins is coming off the bench and playing a bit of lock and maybe pinching some forward minutes? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things there. There's that, and then there's also the other thing, which is the Bloor broken wrist, which means we're probably going to get Luke Garner playing on an edge, and then that then brings somebody onto the bench. So they could look at a guy like Cheekam who played in the trial, but he's sort of... He's never really done anything aside from a couple of magical tries to make us believe that he's more than a utility. Um, but Tuki Simpkins, uh, he was just absolutely everywhere last night. 
he is actually a Cowboys player, but is did, they did a swap deal with him, and we got some winger that we're probably not going to use this year, and no doubt Simpkins is going to be really good um, because, you know, the Cowboys have this amazing talent for letting their really good players go and play for other clubs instead of trying to retain them. But, yeah, Tukey just was absolutely everywhere. So he scored the first first or second try for the Tigers. It was a Jake Simkin dart out of dummy half, and then he picked it up from dummy half and borrowed over the line union style, which, you know, he's he's an ex-union player, but he just looked in absolutely everything. He can play on the edge or play in the middle. I think maybe he might come onto the bench in that uh, back row, front row hybrid role. And, you know, he, was, he played some pretty good minutes last night and looked quite sharp. I definitely... We'll be interested in him. Um, did you? What did you think of Tuki? Yeah, he looked quite exciting, didn't he? Um, yeah, obviously for for him to become fantasy relevant, it really depends on how he's going to be used in that bench rotation. But yeah, from what we saw, he, he looks like a he looks like a gun of the future. Yeah, if anything, I can see him being a ruiner of other players more than relevant himself. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're looking at that, Joe Up and Gowie might you know, start to leak some minutes to him because he's a middle. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, obviously we know Tamu doesn't play big minutes, but Twal's the, the big one because he really does need that 70-plus minutes to return that 60 or high 50s average that we were looking for. And, at, you know, um, my confidence in Twal is dwindling. But somebody that I, my confidence is gaining on is Stefano. So he, um, you can tell by the way he plays that he's definitely not a rocket scientist. But, but he tries his absolute guts out. You know, he just, he made a couple of errors. Like, you know, you're just looking at him make a tackle and you're like, you're going to give away a penalty, aren't you? And then sure enough, boop, whistle penalty. Or like, you know, he's he's getting up, trying to play the ball too quickly and sticking the ball behind the defender's foot, trying to draw a penalty. And it's one of those ones that might be a penalty or might be a knock on. And, you know, in the game, in the NRL, the defenders maybe are a bit smarter and they're going to they're gonna not fall for that and he's going to end up making some errors. But... The one thing that we can't say about him is that he doesn't have go forward. And as you were sort of saying yesterday on the podcast, that the one thing that the Tigers really missed last year was go forward from their middle forwards. And, you know, Stefano, especially with Zane Musgrove going to be suspended until round three, I think it is now, um, with that shoulder charge last night, uh, we're definitely looking at Stefano for a decent chunk of minutes. Yeah, and I, I don't need my footy players to be rocket scientists. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's why, like, like Nathan Brown, he, he's not a rocket scientist, but I tell you what, he tries his guts out, and you know, yeah, that's, that's what I want from uh, players in my team. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I've, I've, uh, I feel a lot more confident with Stefano now than I did yesterday, um, having watched him play. A couple of guys to put on the watch list. Obviously, Dane Laurie played pretty well. He alternated between. Fullback and 5'8". He's more than likely going to start in round one at 5'8 with Adam Dewey out, um, mostly due to the fact that watching Jock Madden, he's definitely a 7, not a 6. Uh, I think Laurie basically fits the style of play that they're going to be looking for. Like He's a more like-for-like like with Dewey. Um, but I definitely think Madden's somebody to have a look at in terms of potentially displacing Brooks if he has another season like he did last year. Yeah, and it's a real shame. Um, it seems like Laurie's not going to be the the first choice fullback and have a have a spot cemented into all of our fantasy teams, just like we thought he might when he first came over. Um, yeah, I, I'd be a little bit um, 
like just putting a, like a warning out there for anyone maybe considering him if he does get named at five eight round one, just you just maybe have a look at somebody else. Like if if he is gone again in week two, it would be a really really big trap. Yeah. Um, the good thing I guess with Laurie is if you were going to go there, if he's named at five eight in round one, he might pick up that dual position. Um, which could obviously add some benefit in the future if you wanted to put him in there working on the assumption that you think that, you know, like most of them by is carrying at some sort of hamstring injury at the moment and, and he's potentially in doubt for round one as well. So there is a couple of things floating around there. We know M is not a elite fullback and it's only a matter of time before they let Laurie loose. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just whether or not you feel... I, I, I It's not something that I'd be doing you know, taking up a, a place in my emergencies with a guy that's more than likely not going to play round two, but will get a chance later. Um, it's not it's not necessarily something that I would look at, but uh, I, I could see why you would do it, but it's not really, I, it, I wouldn't recommend it. Very um, high risk, very high risk. Yeah, high risk. But there is one other guy who I didn't even have on my list at all. I'd never heard of him before, and that's Fitzgibbon who played on the wing for... Tigers, um, listening to the Talking League podcast this morning with Billy Walters, he was saying that Fitzgibbon's actually a real chance to get a debut round one on the left wing. Um, and he was saying that James Roberts uh, isn't going to race him because he's worried he might lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, a, he's actually quite thick considering that he's a speed guy. Um, he took some really dirty carries as well, like, you know, just a really gritty Josh Mansour-type carries. And, mate, I am really hoping that he gets his wing spot because I'll definitely... I'll def- Normally, I'm not somebody that would get a winger uh, in my emergencies, but I definitely think Fitzgibbon fits the mould of a Mansour-Nofaluma-type, uh, like a Sevo, that sort of guy. Yeah, then that, that's a that's a big rap if he's not willing to race the jet. But I mean, surely he's got to be better than Tommy Talao. Like Tommy Talao was not a winger. Like he is so much better when he plays at the cent- and plays at center. Yeah. Um. They've they've got to benefit from having a specialist winger out there. Surely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And he's. Uh. I think he just basically turned up at training and like he looks like a football player. He's just you know he's just you know he's got the you know the tree trunk legs and just but he's just an absolute lightning and just. He, rips in and you know it's exactly what i exactly what i'm looking for as a as a winger if i'm going to get one so definitely i think if him and simmonson both start round one i'd probably be inclined to take fitzgibbon over simmonson um before we go into the indigenous all-stars game we just want to mention a couple of guys uh that played in the non-televised games um greg Mazu, who used to be Greg Lulicio, um, he's been waiting to play first grade for a couple of years now. Uh, Ryan, you were just absolutely frothing when you were talking to me about him earlier. Yeah, I really hope that he, he can get a game for the Titans this year. <laughs> if he can get into into the team round one, he, he's, he seems like a, a great buy. Uh, he was a big standout in the trial game from what we've uh, read. He managed to score a hat-trick. Um, but, but I was looking at his reserve grade stats and, and he averaged 49 on the wing and he's just a, oh. a tackle-busting maniac. Mate, well, listen, I was listening to the Talking League pod with Fogarty and he was saying that Greg Mazu was the strongest player at the club, including all the forwards. Oh. 
So and he's a, and he's a center slash winger. He's just an absolute big unit. You know, he's just oh, I really and you know what would be really good because you know whose position he'd be taking. Patrick Herbert. Patrick Herbert. <laughs> and that would be absolutely perfect. We get Greg Marzu. We get Fogarty doing the goal kicking and mate. Just quietly, Patrick Herbert played uh, pretty much the entire game last night and scored 17 points without his goal kicking. Yeah, yeah, so, but... mate, it's it's not even close. And Herbert is a, um, and you know, Herbert Patrick Herbert. If you ever listen to this podcast, I'm apologise for this, but he's not a first grade quality player in a good team. He can play first grade for the Warriors because, you know. The... <laughs> I have to sneak a Warriors dig in. So, no, he just, like, he's one of those guys, he's, like, he's serviceable, but he's never going to be a permanent fixture in the team. And this, you know, Greg Marzu guy just looks like an absolute stud and he's just been waiting, waiting and waiting and trying to get in. Like, last year he was stuck behind Sevo and Ferguson and, and Hayes Dunster, who's been an absolute awesome, you know, young player coming through. And I'd really love to see Greg make a, a, a fist of first grade because I think he'd be one of those guys. You imagine... Like, at the moment, they've got uh, Brian Kelly uh, over on that side with Fogarty and Proctor. You imagine David Vita offloading the ball to Greg Marzu. Like, good luck to her depending on that edge. My gosh. Yeah, so please, you know, like, I've, I've, I like I really, like, you know, obviously you can tell the thing with Patrick Herbert and, like, watching him do the Harker last night, you can tell that he really, really cares about football and about his heritage. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that he's a great bloke, but, you know, there's sometimes you just got to make the obvious decision there. Um, and, you know, Fogarty's a serviceable goal kicker as well. So I don't think having him in there for the goal kicking is going to justify the, the selection there. Um, but the other guys, um, mate, the Penrith game, oh, I didn't actually see any of that, so I'm going to need you to tell yeah. us about that. Unfortunately, there's no footage of it. We've only got really the match report to go off. But the the only real thing that's uh, I think noteworthy there was on the right wing was uh, Charlie Staines, and then at right centre was Paul Momorowski. So maybe that's an indication of how they're going to line up round one because we were sort of you know fifty fifty or who's going to get that right centre spot. Um, Matt Burton played left centre. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be there round one. He was just place filling for Stephen Crichton, but. I think it's maybe an indication of how Burton might get some game time this year. But, again, I don't think he's going to be too uh, fantasy relevant. And uh, Spencer Lean, who started a prop, unfortunately, it'd be great if we had some footage to see how he actually went. But, unfortunately, that's all we've got to go off. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe it's an indication that they're looking at doing Burton in the number 14 jersey um, as their sort of back utility because he does cover one through to seven, if you're looking at, you know, say if Dylan Edwards got injured, they just push Staines or Crichton back there and he can go to centre. So um, maybe they're looking at using him in the number 14, which would be really, really good for our pod, Apicorosau, that we were talking about yesterday. Yeah, for sure. All right. Indigenous versus Maori All-Stars. Uh, might cover off on the Maori team first. I uh, just want to say I told you so about Dylan Walker yesterday. Um <laughs> 20 fantasy points in almost an entire 80-minute game. Yuck. Yeah, very, very yuck. 
Yuck. And Patrick Herbert, 17, without his goal that he did. He did play on the wing, not at centre, so probably give him an extra six or seven tackles and boost him up to 23, which is exactly where we had him projected at without the goal kicking. Um, James Fisher-Harris, 33 fantasy points in 68 minutes at prop. I mean, that, but that's who he is, though. You know, that that's his range. If he one day he's going to come out and you know, one week he'll come out and score sixty points in that sixty-eight minutes, and the week later he'll score thirty. Like, yeah. I don't, like that's not unexpected. It's not unexpected, but it's also just reinforcing what we said yesterday, which is yeah. he might have one or two points of value in there, but definitely not. He's more of a point of weakness than a point of difference. Um, Jordan Ricky just have, had an absolute. Barnstormer last night, 56 fantasy points in 60 minutes. Probably would have been a mid-30 score without the try where he bowled over, took 27 defenders to, to score. Yeah, he looked really, really good. Comments on him, obviously, that he's probably not going to be an 80-minute player at the Broncos. Um, you know, Walters has spoken about how he doesn't want to uh, basically run his young players into the ground. So I'm expecting that um, he's probably going to be closer to the 60-minute range um so there is a risk that he's going to be putting up 35s uh when he doesn't get those attacking stats but he does also shown he has the ability to score 56 in 60 minutes as well yeah he's an exciting young player like, i haven't had him in my team this preseason just because uh, you know i was under the impression that he would only be playing 60 minutes we know Corey oates has been training in the back row pretty much all preseason um, but oh, man, I couldn't talk anyone out of not having him after last night. Like he, he seems like an absolute weapon when he's on his when he's on. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, he's somebody that I'll probably keep an eye on with Payne Haas not playing the first couple of weeks. You might see him play the eighty the first couple, and then when Haas comes back in, potentially. Um, also considering that they're probably going to run with a fifty-five twenty-five hooker rotation with Pay and and uh, Turpin, but, um, you know, you might be looking for just a quick little smash uh, play with Ricky where you're hoping he can make that 150K and, and score a couple of tries and then upgrade him. An interesting one, the last one here that I've got for the Maori guys, though, is Joe Tarpany. Um, so he scored 38 points in 39 minutes. I actually had somebody mention him to me after we filmed our episode yesterday as a pod option. He seems to score pretty well when he's at lock. I mean, in last year when he was playing at lock and, and playing those sort of big minutes, he did score really well. My question will be how much more value there could possibly be there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, because he doesn't seem like um, he's one of those, you know, huge minute locks for the most part. Like Sticky usually always uses him in like that 50-minute role. Uh, you know, we know that he's a... a a pretty good attacking player. Like he can get some huge scores in a short amount of time. Um, I don't hate it, but at the same time, like I don't see a huge amount of value there. Mate, we're just looking at his games where he played at least 40 minutes at lock last year. Uh, his average was 59. Oh, wow. Yeah, 59 in 56 minutes. There's three tries there across uh, three tries across eight games, so that is a pretty high try scoring rate. Um, I'd probably be more inclined to think with things balancing out that that would come back to about one. Um, so, you know, you can take take him down to maybe a 53, 54, 55 average um, if you're sort of evening out the try scoring. Um, but he is priced in that range with, um, in that sort of 
Adam Elliott price range that we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't talk anybody out of him, not somebody that fits into my plans, but I, um, I can definitely see the appeal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Indigenous All-Stars. Um, Latrell Mitchell, he looked exactly like what we expect him to look like. He chimes in and does some amazing things. We go, wow, what, how did he do that? Um, but most of the time you forget that he's on the field, um, which is not the sort of prototype of a fantasy player that you want to go for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he... He only managed 28 points in his 64 minutes and he had some amazing plays. <laughs> so, you know, we know from looking at his stats that he's not a, he's not a meter eater. Like he's not a huge base stat player. He is going to rely on those big attacking plays. So yeah, I, I haven't really changed my opinion too much on Latrell. Yeah. No, if anything, it just sort of reinforced my opinion that I, I don't think he's a, a good option. Even with the goal kicking, I'd be sort of hesitant. I think, um, Jamal Fogarty. Uh, didn't overly impress me last night. Um, he took a couple of hits early and then just sort of seemed to be a little bit um, hampered through the rest of the game. Um, it wasn't a very good, like it wasn't well executed football no. last night. Um, I've sort of gone off him a little bit uh, as an alternative to Munster unless he gets the goal kicking now, I think. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep in mind that he was playing with Cody Walker. Usually he gets to play with future immortal Ash Taylor. So, mm. you know, maybe that was uh, throwing him off a little bit. <laughs> but no, you're right. It, it, it was a little bit um, a little bit of a sloppy game. But, I mean, you sort of expect that in February, don't you? Like, you, you know, these players don't... Like, a lot of these players don't usually play together and a lot of them haven't played footy in quite a few months. So... Yeah. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think the Titans have another trial coming up, so you know, maybe wait and see. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be having another look at him before I make a decision, but I'm I'm less confident than I was yesterday. Um, another guy that I was feeling that way about until I wasn't was David Fafita. Um, he was just sort of plodding along a little bit, doing sort of regular back row things and then he took this one run where he pushed off about six guys and then and then got tackled and his his fantasy score shot up. Um but his stats from last night were 140 meters, 28 tackles and six tackle busts. Um which is a pretty standard David Feeder stat line. Um and he managed to score sixty points in sixty minutes. So, you know, he we know that he's gonna do those things. The worry is um when he plays in games where he plays for the Broncos and the Broncos aren't very good at last year. He doesn't get an opportunity to do that. Um, but I think playing for the Titans, they're looking like they're going to be a, a pretty good team this year and he should be able to put up stats like that pretty consistently. You're looking at 42 in base plus your attacking stats there. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's who we've come to expect from Fafita. Like, you know, last year, if he didn't have some huge play, like he was, you know, scoring like, 45. Yeah, like mid 40 sort of thing. But he's one of those guys that he can, in just one play, he can boost his fantasy score by, you know, 15 points without even scoring a try. Like he's one of those blokes. He's just so strong. He can bust about three tackles just going for a crab run. Yeah. And he's only 21 as well. So, I mean, he's got plenty of room to grow. Um, But speaking of crab runs. Oh, yes. Mate, Andrew Fafita. 
Oh, mate. My gosh. He How good did he look? So, he looked so thin and he just, he didn't even look tired. He played 55 minutes, scored 61 fantasy points without a try. It was everything that I was hoping to see. Probably the only thing he, he didn't really throw many of those offloads. Um, he threw one there where he's, he was about three millimetres off the ground and just lobbed it up and it just dribbled about 10 metres back and then some guy had to run after it and they got tackled about 10 metres behind where Fafita was in the first place. Two points. But that's, ex- that's exactly what you want him to do. Um, but he looked really, really good. And, I mean, the only question for me now is, is can he get 50 minutes in the Sharks pack? I, I really hope John Morris was watching last night because that's what we want. Yeah, you know, that's what we want. Like that 50 minute Fafita, like that would be huge uh, yeah. considering his price. Uh, yeah, we don't want no 40 minute Fafita. Give us the 55 minute Fafita. Yeah, he doesn't need, he only needs like 45 minutes to get that 50 point average and then anything on top of that is a bonus. I really think it's possible. I, I'm going to have to do a little bit more looking into into the Sharks before I commit to this. But like, oh, I really want to get him. Yeah. <laughs> He fits the fun factor, doesn't he? Like he's a bloke you love to watch each week. Yeah, except I'll be screaming at the shark, going, "Get him on the field!" <laughs> so, like, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not sure if my heart yeah. can take it. But well, we've got, we've got the sharks versus the dogs next week in a trial, so okay. hopefully we find out then. All right. Well, the the, the Aiden Tolman revenge game. Oh, he's going to do five extra fifth tackle hit ups. Um, so, yeah, I really was really happy with Cedar. I'll be definitely looking to see what his minutes are like. Um, and the last guy that I really want to touch on is Tyrone Peachy. So we didn't really speak about him. We sort of spoke about him when we spoke about Tino. Peachy got sin-binned, but if you take the sin-bin minuses out, he scored 33 points in 44 minutes. To justify bringing him in, you really want him to be scoring in the mid-40s playing that lock role, which seems to me like he's going to need 55 to 60 minutes. Are we seeing any way that he could get that in that Titans pack? I don't think so. Like, they've added so many big-minute forwards. I uh, I don't know. Like, I know there's been talk about Tyrone actually starting at lock this year, but, yeah, I have a hard time seeing how he how he gets those minutes. Yeah, and I mean, the the thing is, we've had uh, people comment on Peachy saying, oh, you know, he played that role last year. But let me just give you, so he, in the last five rounds of the year, now the Titans were absolutely just struggling for for forwards last year outside of Fotoaker and Jolliffe. I mean, Wallace was there, but he wasn't really playing that well. So you got Peachy, his five starts at lock, he got... 66 in 60 minutes and then 64 in 64 minutes in round 16 and 17. But that was against the Dragons and the Bulldogs. And then he finished the season out with 34 in 50 minutes, 34 in 80 minutes and 40 in 65 minutes as lock. Um, That 34 in 80 minutes is particularly troubling. How do you play in the middle of the field for 80 minutes and only score 34 fantasy points? Um... Interesting. Question. Twenty-six tackles, ninety-three meters, two missed tackles, one tackle bus. Okay, uh, Corey Thompson only played thirty-eight minutes in that game, so maybe right. he moved into the back line. Like that might explain. It. Okay. Yeah, no, that would make sense. Okay, I'll give him a pass for that one. 
Um, but even here, like, you know, you're looking at this, um, in the two games where he didn't play, even like that round 20 game, 40 points in 65 minutes, I really can't see any way that he's going to play 60 minutes. Yeah, I don't see it either. Like, you know, there's just so many big minute forwards in that pack. Uh, like, I don't know how he can improve on 39, you know? No. Like, like I think he'll, I think he could have the possibility of being a keeper center, but I, I don't know how he improves much upon that 39, you know? Like, at, at best, I think he's low 40s. Yeah, I can see him averaging 41, 42 in 55 minutes. Yeah. Like pro, but like this, Lock starts here, he's 47.6 points in 63.6 minutes. So, you know, like that, you know, that's, you'd really be wanting him to get 45, so you'd need him to be playing 60 minutes to average 45 here, and you're going to be getting 34s in that as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's certainly interest. It's an interesting option. Um, I'd be very curious to see what their forward rotation is looking like next week. Um, so I'm going to pencil Peachy in as a no, um, but I'm reserving the right to change my mind if he does play 60 minutes at lock. Okay, classic uh, Mark sitting on the fence. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Cla- yeah, that's that's what I'm known for is my sitting on the fence, unopinionated nature. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's pretty much everyone. Um, I've had a couple of people. I'm just going to do this now. So I've had a couple of people message me this morning and ask me about Jermaine Osako for some reason. Um I'm sure we covered him in the Broncos episode in the very first pod that we did um, that we weren't really liking his chances at fullback, um, even with the goal kicking in the Broncos. He's sort of on the precipice of having 10 points of value, in my opinion. Um, but Reese Walsh was so good last night. Like, mm. oh, like, you know, if, if their season starts turning, um, one thing with Kevy is he's not afraid to just do do stuff, you know, like he, he just, you know, he might put a sock out to the wing or drop him all together and, and, um, and bring Walsh in, you know, like Walsh is, he's eligible to play first grade. I'm pretty sure um, he could definitely be somebody that that could take that role. I just don't see like at the moment I'm rolling Pap, Teddy and Turbo and I'm not really interested in deviating from that. Um, I could see why somebody would take a chance on a Sarko, but I, for me, he's just, like, his upside is 10 points of value. Uh, so be- before we finish up, there's just a couple of extra guys that we want to touch on quickly. Both Dragons players, actually, Tyrell Fuimano and Josh Kerr. So uh, Fuimano, if he is going to play in that back row spot, he did spend a fair bit of time there last year. He comes in priced pretty cheap, so 339k, so that's a break-even of 25 so in the games where he played in the back row, he averaged 40 points in 65 minutes. There was a 17 and 58 minutes there, which was pretty not good, um, and a 30 and 57 minutes. So it looks to me like he only played the one game of 80 minutes where he scored 47. So the question for me is going to be, are they willing to actually use him in the back row? If they are, 60 minutes, 40 points is pretty pretty good, really, at price of 25. Yeah, no, I mean, he'd be a pretty good cow if he can displace forward. You know, he's significantly cheaper than forward, and if he's banging out similar scores, he'd be, uh, be a decent option to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he only averaged 1.5, 1.6 missed tackles last year, which is about what Ford averages in a set of six. So <laughs> if they're looking for somebody good defensively, I can see why they would look at Fumane instead. Um, and I know you wanted to speak a little bit about Josh Kerr. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I saw some, like, we, I know we touched upon him yesterday, but I saw some more people saying that, like, because he, he did play really well last night and, like, a lot of people were getting even more excited about him. But, you know, he, he scored 44 points in 47 minutes, which is basically exactly what we expect from him each week. Um, you know, like, he was never a big-minute guy for the Dragons last year. Like, he was always sort of capped around that 40- to 45-minute mark. Um, so, at, like, he does have a very good PPM, but he's going to be needing, like, you know, 50 for, 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 for to have enough value there, I think. Like, if he's only playing 45, he's, like, right on the cusp and it's quite a risky play. But, yeah, yeah he, he did play quite well. But, yeah, again, I'd just be a little bit cautious there. He seems to be one of one of those, like, he's better in less minutes sort of guys. Like, you know, you, I think he'd lose his quality if you started trying to play him for 60 minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. He, like, sort of like a Moses Leota type, you know, like a real battering ram. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so thanks very much for tuning into our second episode of the weekend, which is the trial recap. Um, we'll come back to you probably Sunday next week after we have a look at all of the trials from this upcoming week. Yeah, and finally uh, start to finalise our teams with uh, round well, with the first teamless Tuesday coming up. It's exciting. Oh, I'm going to the Cowboys Broncos testimonial for Alex Glenn as well. I'm pretty pumped. Oh, beautiful. I might yeah. see if I can. I can get down to one of the trials around the corner. Get some notes. <laughs> get an autograph. <laughs> I'll get Josh Kerr's autograph for you, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, no, I prefer um, Jackson, Jackson Ford. Jackson Ford. Yeah. Oh, I, I tried to hand in the paper, mate, and you miss it. <laughs> it's a low bloke. Oh, poor bloke. Um, all right. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. Love you guys.